Amen. We're going to turn together this evening to the book of the Acts and the chapter 2. The book of the Acts and the chapter 2. Last Tuesday night, we concluded our study in Paul's letter to the Colossians. And so tonight, we're coming to Acts chapter 2. Just to look at this portion, and particularly at a verse in this portion of Scripture, and then to get to our season of prayer. We're going to break into Acts chapter 2 at the verse 37. Acts 2, the verse 37, and it is the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God has been given. The Apostle Peter has preached the gospel, and here we break into the chapter just when he has concluded his message on the day of Pentecost. And so we find here from verse 37 onwards uh, the response to the preaching of Peter On the day of Pentecost. Verse 37. Now when they heard this. They were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles. Men and brethren. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them. Repent. And be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. We'll end there at verse 37 or 47. May the Lord bless his word to each and every heart this evening. I want tonight for just a little while to draw your attention to the verse 42. And here in verse 42, we read, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And really what you have there in verse 42 is Christian progress. 
the progress that they were making having been converted to Christ. As Peter has concluded his sermon on the day of Pentecost, the Lord displayed his power in a mighty way. And many who heard the apostle Peter preach, they were brought under conviction of sin. And where we commenced our Bible reading tonight in verse 37, you can see how that conviction is described. It says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And so their conscience is now pricked. They have heard the apostle Peter preaching the gospel and their heart has been moved by the Holy Spirit of God and they're pricked in their heart and they have a concern for their soul. And at the end of verse 37, they're asking the question that many have asked in that position. When under conviction of sin, having a concern for the state of your soul, they ask the question, what shall we do? What shall we do? And the apostle Peter gives a ready answer and he exhorts them there in the 38th verse. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the result here that we have read of in this passage of Scripture was that about 3,000 souls were converted to Christ that day. It's hard for us to imagine what that must have been like. And our text of Scripture tonight is referring to those newly converted souls. The 3,000 or so that got saved that day, our verse says, and they. It's making reference to those new converts. And it says there, and they continued steadfastly. And so here we have these souls that have got saved. And they have that desire now to go on with the Lord. It's not just a mere outward profession of faith, no, it's followed by a definite change. There's a change in heart. There's a change in life. There's a new direction that they have in life. Their progress in spiritual matters is being outlined here in verse 42. And you can see there are four particular Areas that are referred to by way of their Christian progress. What they continued steadfastly in. The Scottish Bible expositor, Alexander McLaren, he described it as a fourfold cord. A fourfold cord. And in verse 42, those four particular areas are mentioned. Number one, the apostles' doctrine. Number two, fellowship. Number three, in breaking of bread. And number four, in prayers. Here's the fourfold cord. 
Here are the four particular areas that these new converts continued steadfastly in. And just for a moment or two together, I want you to think about the first one in particular, the apostles' doctrine. And we think here about the priority of the apostles' doctrine. Some find the word doctrine a little off-putting. To them, whenever they hear the word doctrine, it creates the thought of that which is deep and maybe that which is difficult. And they maybe even think of it as, as dry when we use the word doctrine. But however, that word doctrine simply refers to the truth of the gospel as it is revealed to us in Holy Scripture. It is simply that which the apostles taught under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, it is referred to in our text as the apostles' doctrine. But we notice here in these four particular areas that are referred to that it's the apostles' doctrine that comes first. And therefore, we're speaking about the priority. The priority here for doctrine. It is mentioned here first. And it's first in order. And it's first by way of importance. And it is teaching us this evening that priority of place must be given to doctrine. The ecumenists today they would want to set doctrine to the side. The ecumenist would want to relegate doctrine. And in fact, they may even want to start with fellowship. And you can see that fellowship there is put second. Doctrine has to be first. And the emphasis of the ecumenist would be on coming together. But sure, let's just all join together in fellowship Never mind about those theological truths. Never mind about that doctrine just for now. Let's set all that aside and let's come together for fellowship. But here it's very clear to establish that the apostles' doctrine must come first. The doctrinal truth, the fundamental truth of the gospel cannot be set aside in preference for fellowship, however well intended. The divine order that is set out in Holy Scripture must be followed. The Puritan theologian John Owen, he said concerning doctrine, the foundation of true holiness and true worship is the doctrine of the gospel, what we are to believe. And he goes on to say, so when Christian doctrine is neglected, forsaken, or corrupted, true holiness and worship is neglected, forsaken, and corrupted. And so John Owen would emphasize to us in accordance with Holy Scripture the priority and the importance of doctrine. Whenever the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, 
who was his own son in the faith, and Timothy was taking up uh, the work of God, the pastorate coming into the ministry. And the Apostle Paul writes to him in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the verse 15, and he refers to the church, and he calls it the church of the living God. And here's how Paul describes it, the pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and the ground of the truth. And so the church is therefore to be the custodian of truth, to guard, to defend that truth. And it logically follows then that truth is far too great a price to pay for false ecumenical unity. And so we can see here the exhortation that is given here of these newly converted souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the priority of the apostles' doctrine. But notice, secondly, the perseverance in the apostles' doctrine. And those words there in verse 42, continued steadfastly. And those words would describe these new converts as they're seeking to go on with the Lord. They, they have a zeal here. They have an enthusiasm and they're continuing steadfastly. And those words express to us something of their perseverance. And what we would refer to as the perseverance of the saints. They persevere in these areas and they persevere in the apostles' doctrine having come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would now with purpose of heart want to press on and they would want to continue on with the Lord and follow him. That word continued simply means to remain on a certain course or to remain on a particular path. And here they have now entered into the paths of righteousness. And they want to continue on that path. They want to remain on that path. If you were to glance back in the book of Acts to chapter 1 and to the verse 14, you would see that word continued there. And it's a good example. And it tells us in chapter 1 and verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And so they are determined there to continue in prayer. And of course, they're praying to the Lord for the power of God the Holy Spirit, the promised power. And they're continuing there, they're persevering in the place of prayer. Our Bible reading, Acts chapter 2, you look down to verse 46, it says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And so the word continuing is there, but the word daily is added. And therefore this was something that was one day after another. 
Day by day, they were wanting to go on with the Lord. Day by day, they were persevering in the apostles' doctrine. Day by day, they're wanting to be found faithful to the Lord. If you look on into the book of Acts to the chapter 6, you see the word here in relation to the apostles themselves. And of course, in Acts chapter 6, a problem arose. It was a practical problem, and it led to the appointing of the deacons to look after that particular business. And the apostles said in Acts 6 and the verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so they weren't going to be distracted. They weren't going to be sidetracked. We'll continue in the place of prayer and in the ministry of the word. And these few examples would demonstrate to us just something of what it means to continue. They were persevering. And that word, steadfastly, is put alongside the word continued. And so that's going to strengthen it. That actually intensifies it. The word steadfastly there gives an indication of the intensity of effort that was being put in. They were wanting to go on with the Lord. They were wanting to make progress in their Christian lives and with unremitting care and with constant diligence and attention, they would want to continue steadfastly. And here really is the ultimate proof of true Christianity. It's the ultimate proof of true conversion. The soul that professes faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not going to be easily sidetracked. They're not going to deviate from the path. But we would see, as it were, the marks of grace. They'll continue steadfastly, persevering right to the very end. And so there's the priority of the apostles' doctrine. And there's the perseverance in the apostles' doctrine. But then thirdly, there's the preaching of the apostles' doctrine. We didn't read the sermon of the apostle Peter, but his sermon is summarized here in Acts chapter 2. And so when we think about the apostles' doctrine, the apostle Peter is actually preaching that very doctrine in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. That's exactly what he is engaged in. That's what he's taken up with here. And his preaching was, in effect, the apostles' doctrine. And so you could look into Acts chapter 2, and you could look at the content of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, and it would reveal to you something of what the apostles' doctrine is. You could see very clearly that Peter's message will center upon the Lord Jesus Christ and upon the great work of redemption that he accomplished at Calvary. Just to take a very brief overview, you break in there 
at the verse 23, and you can see he's referring to the crucifixion of Christ. It says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And here you can see that the Apostle Peter is referring to that great plan of redemption. And he's showing to us that it was a sovereign plan. It was a plan that was decreed and determined by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. That plan for our redemption. The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Peter is preaching here on the day of Pentecost. How the Savior was taken and by cruel hands he was slain, crucified and slain. And so Peter in his message is centering the thoughts of his hearers upon the Savior. And his death upon Calvary's tree. And it's in keeping with God's divine plan for man's redemption. Then you look there at verse 24. You see he now preaches about the resurrection of Christ. Having said that the Lord was crucified and slain at the end of verse 23, he says, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden off it. He preached the crucifixion of Christ. He preached the resurrection of Christ. And when you go down to verse 32, he's still making witness of the risen Savior. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Verse 33, still focusing upon the Savior. And his sermon now makes reference to the exaltation of Christ. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. And he speaks of the Savior having been crucified, having risen from the grave, having ascended into heaven, and he's at the right hand of the Father, exalted, a glorified Christ. As you look on into verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed of God. He is the Lord. He is the Lord of all. And Peter, in his message here, preaching the apostles' doctrine, if you like, he's telling them now about the salvation of Christ and the need to repent and the need to get right with God. If we were ever wondering, what is the apostles' doctrine? May you have a good summary of it through the message that the Apostle Peter preaches there in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. The preaching 
of these great truths show what the apostles' doctrine consists of. And that this doctrine is not a cold orthodoxy, but rather it is simply those fundamental truths which set forth the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter's preaching here is that example of the apostles' doctrine. And these new converts of that burning desire now within their heart that they want to know more and they want to learn more and they want to continue steadfastly in what they have learned and what the apostle Peter has been teaching them. They came from many different backgrounds, many different cultures. They were all individuals. You could glance back in Acts chapter 2 to that ninth verse and it gives you a sort of breakdown of all those who were gathering on that particular day. They were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and so on. They were from all different parts of the Roman world, but here they've been brought under the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And they've been gloriously converted to Christ. And now they want to continue steadfastly in the things that they have heard, and they want to learn more of the Savior. They want to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I simply say, to each one of us tonight, oh, that we could follow their example and that we would have that desire to learn more of our Lord and Savior and that we would therefore read God's precious word and we would meditate upon that word that we might be grounded and settled in the truth and in these days in which we live, we'll not be blown about with every wind of doctrine. But we will be built up upon this sure foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you know, as they continued on with the Lord, the Lord continued to bless the end of Acts chapter 2, they were praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They continued daily, and the Lord continued to bless them daily. Therefore, may we see tonight this example from the early New Testament church and these early converts of the New Testament church. And may we continue steadfastly in those four areas that are mentioned and particularly the apostles' doctrine. We're going to sing 